Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feels good in the house of the Lord today. It feels good in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15. And you're already standing for the reading of God's word. So if you don't mind just remaining on your feet for just a moment longer. I was telling someone recently, one of the things I miss about the old church is this sound. It's just something spiritual about it. When you just heard it, you're like, my God, they opened their Bible. Shoo. Hit Now you don't know if they're clicking Candy Crush or the Bible. <laughs> Say, turn with me. and But you see them pulling that red bird back all the way. You're like, I don't think you have to actually. So anyways, you know, they're s- swiping or tapping. Anyhow, Ephesians 5. <laughs> And 15, the Bible says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. I want to preach to you today from this subject, filled and full. Father, use me for your glory today. Touch our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to discern what thus saith the word of the Lord. I ask that you would confirm it with signs, miracles, and wonders that when we leave this place, we'll proclaim like the angel said, we've been with Emmanuel. God has been with us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. My sermon this morning is inspired by a road trip that my wife and I recently took. About a month and a half, two months ago, I had been traveling uh, several days or several weeks in a row. It was one of the busier times on the calendar. And we had decided that when I got home, she was going to pick me up at the airport. We were going to make sure the kids were taken care of all day. She was going to pick me up in the convertible, and we were going to go get lost in yonder mountains. And yonder mountains in this context is the Blue Ridge Mountains. We've been to a lot of mountains, but never been to the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so she picked me up. Everything went great. She was at the airport, threw my duffel bag in the trunk, hopped in the car, and we took off. Now, my wife is a little more responsible than I am. I'm a little more spontaneous. I'm a little more, you know, in the moment. My my wife likes to plan. My wife does to-do lists, and she likes to click and do the check marks and all of that on the list, and she'll pack for a trip two weeks before the trip. I can't because I got to wear what I, I don't have a lot, you know, I got five kids. So, you know, I can't, anyhow, um, so we're taking off and we're about to get onto the highway and she says, do we have, do we have enough gas? I said, yes, we have gas. I just, my God, it's 2021. We're in America. There's gas everywhere. We're, we'll be fine. And so we took off into the mountains and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a little bit of a weird kind of a person and it's in my head it's constantly camp meeting in my head there is a 50 voice choir is singing I mean it's Pentecost all the time I got uh, somewhere between Jimmy Swaggart and Ricky Dillard is in my head all the time and not the slow stuff I mean it's okay to cry but I you know I'm I mean I got people clapping like this all the time in my head I mean it's just and so that translates into the kind of music I listen to because, you know, your, your Pandora is whatever you li- I'm not going to call you out, but my Pandora is Bishop G.E. Patterson. And so I just got choir music playing all the time. And she's like, for this trip, can it be a little more romantic? Can we maybe not have the presiding prelate of the Church of God in Christ singing to us while we're driving in the mountains? Can we turn on something a little more romantic? 
in the church I grew up in, we couldn't sing anything secular. At our weddings, they sang El Shaddai and What a Difference You Made in My Life. So those are the only two. <laughs> I think I'm joking. My dad was strict. Those, it was those two. I don't know why El Shaddai, but that was one of them that you could do in the weddings. So she turns on this guy named Bennett and another one named Sinatra. And they're singing about the moon and about kicking somebody in the head and, and just, you know, I don't know. And we get up into those mountains and my car pings. We're 20 miles to empty. And I said, well, it's time to get gas. And so I pull open my GPS and we have no signal. So that means I can't find a gas station. And now I'm in an awkward place because I don't know how to find a gas station without a GPS. I don't know what to do when I can't call anybody. And my car is pinging that we're at 20 miles to empty, 15 miles to empty, 14, 13, 12. We're down to 10 miles to empty. And at that point, I told her, I'm like, listen, boo, we need to have a little talk right now. I appreciate that you like Brother Bennett and Brother Sinatra, but I can't. I got to do some decreeing and some declaring right now. I got to go into some word of faith right now. I got to get into some Kenneth Copeland word of faith and speak some things as though they were, even though they're not. And I can't do it with this, this kind of music. And I'm like, you got to turn that off. I got to turn on. And so now I got my choir going and I got a Hammond going and I start decreeing and declaring because it turns out that in the Blue Ridge Mountains, they're full of a bunch of hillbilly hippies that don't believe in gas. They don't believe in automobiles, bunch of tying themselves to trees and they don't want people driving cars up in there, bunch of mountain magic witchcraft filled people up there and so there's no gas stations and so I got to counter that spirit and so I start binding that spirit and I'm like I decree and I declare there is a gas station on the other side of that mountain no hippie formed against me shall prosper I rebuke them from that tree that they're chained to they shall go they shall flee and I declare right now a gas station is about to appear I say it is done Ah. It didn't work. But anyhow, we got down to about two miles to empty when behold, in the middle of the forest, there was one little gas station with two pumps. I said, thank you, Jesus. I don't know when the thing was built, but I decided I'm the one that spoke that thing into existence. I'm like, God knew. He knew this was going to happen. And 60 years before I showed up, he made sure that that man built that gas station right there because he knew. I turn anything into revival. It's just her and me in the car. I'm like, touch somebody and say, he knew, he knew, he knew. Slap your neighbor. I'm like, he knew. She's like, don't slap me. <laughs> and so we get to, you think it's exaggerated. It's really like that with me in the car. Nobody like, I, I travel a lot alone in the car. And so we're there and we're pumping the gas and I'm thanking the Lord and I get retrospect and I'm thinking about what's happening. And Gina says, you're going to preach about this, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. Because I can turn anything into a sermon. And I started pacing in front of the car as if she was my congregation and as if that pump was my platform. And I started pacing in front of that car. And you ask her after service if none of this is, if this isn't all true. I started pacing and I said, do you know who this would have never happened to? Full-blown preacher voice and everything. You know who this would have never happened to? She said, tell me about it. I said, my father. Now, my wife will tell you, I tell a lot of the same stories over and over and over again, and, and she'll let me know when I do, but she's very sweet about hearing stories about my dad, who went home to be with the Lord seven years ago. I miss him. I think about him every day, and I tell his stories, and she listens as if, it, as if I'm telling the story for the first time, and I love that about her. I said, my dad's from Columbia. He was. I mean, it's just, and so I said, you know who this would have never happened to? My father. 
She said, tell me about it. I said, my dad never let the gas tank go to empty. If it was half empty, my dad would always go and fill up those gas tanks. And growing up in Chicago, anyone that grew up in the north in the 70s, the 80s, you know what it was like back then. When a cold storm was coming through, when it was going to be ice and snow, you couldn't afford to have your gas tank empty because your gas tank could freeze. So you would always go to the gas station and make sure that the gas tank was all the way full just in case it went below freezing that night. And so we, my dad was militant about always making sure all of the gas tanks were full. And when we would go on road trips, he would we would be at three quarters of a tank, I mean full, and he'd still go ahead and fill it up. And I said, Dad, why are you always putting gas in the car? I mean, we're not even half empty. And he'd always tell me, you just never know when you're going to see the next gas station. And you don't know if it's going to be open. You, you don't know, so you have to live pre- prepared. It's better to be safe than sorry is what my father would always tell me. He said, it's better to live on full than it is to risk it being empty. And as I'm still out there preaching and pontificating to my wife at the gas pump in the Blue Ridge Mountains, forget that, I don't know that we ever finished the trip because I preached like a full 30-minute message to her at the gas pump. I said, Gina, this issue Because now, I mean, like, I've gone into it. I've done research, Googled, and taken notes at that point. I said, this issue is not just the way we drive our cars. I said, this is the way we're living our lives. I said, we have become experts at living on empty. We have so much technology. We have buzzers and bells and whistles. And now your car gets to E, and your father says, hey, you might want to be careful. You're at empty. And you say, no, we're not. I still got half an E to go. It's not till that needle is tickling the just the, the, the bottom part of the middle line of the E, and then I know to get worried. You have become an expert at living on empty, and that's the way people are living their spiritual life. They're living on empty. They're living on their mother's prayer life. They're living off of the remnants of what a previous generation did, and they're just tinkering. They're trying to figure out why they can't have breakthrough on a five-minute prayer life. They're trying to figure out why, why they're not able to just rebuke demons and devils and take authority over things, and they're living on empty. They don't pray. They don't praise. They don't read their Bible. They're, they, they're, they're, they're not filling themselves with the things of God, and then they're trying to understand why they're struggling, and I come in the name of the Lord to remind you it wasn't always this way, and we need to, we need to take some time to take an inventory of our lives and remember the way we used to be compared to the way we are because living on empty is not the way God designed believers to live. We are victorious people. We're the sons of God. We're the heirs, co-heirs with Christ Jesus to the promises of God the Father. We have no business living in poverty. We have no business living in sickness. We have no business living in contention because We're supposed to go from glory to glory and victory to victory. But if you're going to make it to victory, you got to be full of victory. You got to be full of power. You got to be full of the things of God. We got to live full. When, if you want to know the way it used to be, talk to one of the seasoned saints in the church and ask them about the way it used to be. When we were raised up in the church, we had Sunday morning Bible study. We had Sunday morning worship. We had Sunday night worship. We had Tuesday choir practice, Wednesday midweek, Friday was youth night, and Saturday was prayer. You couldn't backslide if you wanted to because every night was a church activity. We didn't have anything in the morning, and nobody backslides in the morning anyhow because you're sleeping. But we made sure every night was covered. You couldn't go clubbing if you wanted to because you had another activity at the church. You couldn't sneak off with someone if you wanted to because you said, if I do that, I'll miss choir practice, and then I won't be able to sing the song. There was things we had in place that kept people full of the things of God. And we slowly, because we got busy, we slowly took things away and took things away, and we gave 
gave the opportunity to empty our tank, to empty our lives of things that are good and pure and holy, and we let our lives be full of the things of this world. I know I sound old-fashioned, but old-fashioned is still right. And I'm here to tell you today, you need to empty your life of everything that's displeasing to God, everything that's robbing your time, that's robbing your money, that's robbing your commitment to the house of God, and you need to be filled again with passion for the presence of God, the house of God, the things of God. You need to take time to visit the pump of the Holy Ghost, the fountain of the Holy Ghost, and say, I need to be filled with the things that really matter. Give him praise in the house today. You need to be filled. I learned my lesson in the Blue Ridge Mountains that I need to make sure my gas tank is full even though I have all the technology and I think things are going to go the way they have always gone. I Just to be safe, I better make sure my gas tank is full. If there is something that I have learned in this awkward era of the last year and a half, it's that you can't live today the way you lived two years ago. You can't live your life today the way you lived it 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Let me explain. A year and a half ago, if you had a headache at midnight that was unbearable, you could wake up and go to Walgreens if you wanted to and get some Excedrin if you really wanted to. I don't know what it's like in Richmond, but you can't do that in East Tennessee right now because Walgreens closes at 8 p.m. CVS closes at 7.30. Why? I have no clue. The door says they close at 11. But everybody close early. You used to, If you used to get the late night munchies, you could get to Taco Bell and get a taco at 2 or three in the morning. Sometimes where we live, Taco Bell is closed. The devil is a liar. But sometimes they're closed because they run out of beef and they run out of lettuce. You never know what's going to be open and what's going to be closed. We can't go to a restaurant anymore without calling to see if first they're going to be open before we ever get there. Everything has changed. You can't rely on things being open. You can't live unprepared. You can't live in a house without medicine or live in a house with food because you just just never know when you might be able to go to the store next. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming soon. And I mean, he's coming sooner than soon. I think Gabriel is polishing the trumpet. I think he's starting to practice his breathing because soon the trumpet is going to sound. And you can't be caught here unprepared. You can't be like those five foolish virgins that were not ready and didn't have any oil in the lamp. There was ten virgins, five were ready and five weren't ready and I've made up in my mind that when that trumpet sounds, my house is going to be ready. You're not going to find my house empty of prayer, empty of consecration, empty of holiness but when the trumpet of the Lord is sound and time shall be no more, my house is going to be full of the glory of God. You gotta live ready. You gotta live full. Ephesians 5 says, Be careful how you live. I'm telling you, it says, Be careful how you live. Listen, if you got away with sin last year, thank God for grace and mercy, but don't live like fools. And keep trying the grace and the mercy of God. Get it right now. Because you can't live right now like you were living 10 years ago. That trumpet could sound at any moment. It could sound in the middle of this service. It could be tonight. It could be next year. I don't know exactly when it's going to sound. But all I know is I'm not going to be caught playing around. I'm not going to be caught with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. This isn't time to be a hypocrite. This isn't time to be a two-time in Christian. This is time to make sure I'm right. I didn't say perfect. I just said this is time to get both feet in the house of God, both feet in the things of God and say, God, you know what I am. You know what I struggle with, but here I am to be full of everything that you have for me. I can't afford to be foolish. 
Most people, when they make a mistake, when whether it's in their life or in their business or with their money, whatever, and, and you get to talking to them and you say, why? Most people, nine times out of ten, they'll say, I don't know, I was just stupid. I just made a dumb mistake. I, I, I should have known to put gas in the car. I, I should have known not to buy Sheba. I should... I should have known. There's some crypto guys here. I know. I should have known. And the Bible says, don't live that way. Don't live like fools. Be wise, the Bible says. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. You have to consider every day. Don't waste a day. Don't waste a moment of your day. I got to live a different way. To, I have to value the house of God more today because last year it was taken from some of us. And we realize how precious this is. To the one that's watching at home today, may the Lord richly bless you. I'm so thankful. That every church in America, every pastor in America turned into a televangelist last year. I'm thankful that every church invested and upgraded their cameras and their sound system. I'm thankful that you can watch us at home. And yes, you can feel the presence of God at home. But ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, it's nothing like being in the house of God. It's time to come back to church. It's, if you can go grocery shopping, if you can go Christmas shopping, if, 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 if you can go watch a hockey game or a baseball game or, or if you can go protest or if you can march or if you can go to a parade, then you can come and give God praise in this house because there's something when you get people together in the house of God. There's something when you fill the house of God with people and then the people fill the house with praise and with singing and dancing and jumping and, and shout. There's something that when the praise goes up, the glory comes down. And I'm telling you, it's time to fill the house again with your attendance and it's time to fill the house again, the house of God again with your praise. Someone shout and give him praise right now. Someone said, well, I don't want to shout because I don't want to spread anything. When you shout, you spread victory. When you shout, you spread deliverance. When you shout, you spread healing. So if I were you, I'd shout till it spread all over this house. Hallelujah! When you shout, walls come down. When you shout, marriages are healed. Shout! Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You got to be full, full of the things of God. The Bible says don't act thoughtlessly. You got to consider the day. Consider what you're exposing your children to. Consider where you're taking your children to. Consider the language in your house. Consider what you left on the television for them to watch. Consider what you were talking about at dinner. Consider it. Because you're not living for yourself. You're living for your legacy. You're living for your future. This isn't just about your salvation, but it's about your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren whose only experience with Christ is going to be what they see in your home. And I want my kids to know like the old song says, it's real, it's real, I know it's real. It's the Pentecostal blessing and I know it's real. But they're not going to get that just from a Sunday school teacher. They're not going to get that just from their pastor. They're going to to live what you fill your house with. Oh, I'm preaching today. Don't fill your house with worldliness and then ask, how'd the church fail my kids? You fill your house with things that are pure, things that are holy. Let your children hear you praying in the morning. Let them see a Bible open on a kitchen table and watch if Proverbs 3 isn't fulfilled in your life, that when they are old, they will not depart from the faith. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. 
I never thought I would have to preach about this in Pentecostal churches. But somewhere in our liberties that we have been experiencing, and that's okay. The problem with the liberties is that sometimes the pendulum swings way crazy to the left. And there's no balance. Liberty does not mean that you don't have discernment. Liberty does not mean that God still does not have some standards and some things he might require of you because he's still a holy God. You have a holy ghost, and I'm going to emphasize it is a holy ghost. We still believe in holy living, and I just don't understand how we're partaking of the new wine and sipping Heineken after the service. I'm sorry. I said it. Forgive me. If that's you, that's you. That's fine. But I'm just telling you, I can't sip of the holy thing of God, touch the holy things of God, and then go out and touch unholy things and unclean things and unpure things. This is still a holy church, a righteous church, a victorious church. This is still a bride that's got to be ready, holy, and acceptable for the bridegroom. We are, you say, oh, preacher, I don't, I don't know about all that. Well, fine. Then make it, make it uh, illustrative. We're drunk with politics. We're drunk on the issues of this day. We're just drunk on controversy. We're drunk on arguing. We're just drunk on everything. Be ye sober minded. Stop drinking the things that the world is serving to you to distract you from the things of God. Be filled. Be ye filled and stay full of the Holy Ghost of the living God. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives on the end side of you. He'll pick you up out of sickness. He'll pick you up out of contention. But you got to be full of that spirit. Nine o'clock didn't get this, by the way. <laughs> Don't be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Instead, be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be full of the Holy Ghost. You can't be full of the Holy Ghost if you don't come to the fountain perpetually, constantly. It's not weird for you to go refill your gas tank even at these prices. You complain about it, but you complain about it while you're pumping gas. Why is it weird? We have made getting a refilling of the Holy Ghost something weird. If somebody answers an altar call, we have let the spirit of the Pharisee come into the church. Because we see someone answer an altar call and we say, mm, I knew something was up. I knew they had something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I knew, I, that's why I unfollowed him, because I knew. What if I just needed a refilling because last week was kind of tough? You get gas two, three times a week so that that car would keep running. I'm telling you, you got to come to the fountain of God and get a refilling of the Holy To live in 2021, you got to get a refilling of the Holy Ghost a few times a week. In fact, I tell you, you need to go to the fountain every day and be filled with the Holy Ghost to make it through that day. I think you'd cuss a little less and speak in more tongues if you went to the fountain every day and were made sure you were full. Mercy, what happened to me? I put a suit on and I went holiness. Good God. Take that ring off right now. My God in heaven. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with singing and praising. Some people need to change their song. And I'm talking about in the church. I just wrote a book that's on Amazon called The Spirit of Hyena. I encourage you to get it. But I think I'm going to write a new book, The Spirit of Eeyore. Because some of y'all, you sound like Eeyore the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. How's life? Not good. How's your marriage? It stinks. How are your kids? Horrible. Anything good happening? No. Merry Christmas. 
not to me. If you gave them the mic and said, sing us a special, they'd get up here and say, worship with me as I sing. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. <laughs> Nobody knows my sorrow. They're just full of complaints. They're full of everything that's gone wrong for them. They're still talking about how someone lied to them in 1994. They're still upset that their best friend, you know, stole their boyfriend when they were in high school. Mind you, they're 54 now, and they're still complaining. Well, but see, in high school, what happened was, and that just still affects me. I was interviewing a an elder who's gone on to be with the Lord named T.F. Tenney. I had him on TBN one time, and we were talking, and he said, Brother Tony, I wake up every morning, and I say, this is the day the Lord hath made. And he just got to preaching and stopping his, his foot. He said, I will rejoice, and I will be glad in it. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, because, Brother Tony, sometimes you got a will to do it. Sometimes the day doesn't lend itself to being glad and happy. Sometimes the circumstance doesn't lend itself to being glad, uh, glad and rejoicing. But I've made a decision. This is the day the Lord has made. He is the author and the beginning. He's the beginner and the finisher of my faith. God knew what this day was going to bring my way. And God already established that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. So this is the best escape room policy you've ever had. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible's already guaranteed that God is going to raise up a standard against the attack of the enemy. So whatever might come my way, viruses and sickness and issues of this life, it will not prosper against me because the Bible says I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. So I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will praise. I will shout. I will dance because I know in whom I have believed. Oh, give them praise today. Be full of thanksgiving. Some people have a list of complaints longer than their Christmas list. They know everybody that's done them wrong, when they did them wrong. They keep a tally. Some of y'all are on their list, and you, instead of this list and what you've done wrong, at this point it's just your name, and then like, you know, like, and the prison wall is just. But why not make a tally of everything that's gone right? You survived a pandemic. God made a way where there was no way. A few years ago, you didn't know how you were going to pay your bills. And look at you. You're an entrepreneur now. You're an influencer. Look at you. Oh, Instagram influencer selling us milkshakes and whatever it is you, and we can make fun of it, but you're like, baby, it's paying the bills. You laugh about it all you want. Look at how God blessed you. Made a way where there was no way. You got some things to be thankful for, things to be grateful for. Everybody's complaining. Everybody, listen, you turn on, I, I already told you, I sound like, you know, I you know, put my suit on and sound like I'm a holiness preacher. I think you ought to go home and throw your television away. You don't watch anything good on it anymore anyhow. Ever since they took the office off Netflix, there's nothing to watch. You turn on media and, and you got... Tucker in one ear and Wolf in the other ear and whoever else you listen in the other ear and you got judge this and judge that and you got Whoopi over here and you got uh, the girl from Growing or uh, Full House and the uh, and and all day long is just fighting and fighting and bickering and bickering and fighting and fighting and bickering and bickering and your spouse comes home from work says, hey bae and you're like shut up you're like what did I do nothing I'm sorry I just I've been in a fight with who with my computer. With this person on Facebook. Who? I don't know. I never met him. They were just in the comment section. Who? I wore him out though. Just turn it all off and consider some good things. For those of you that did have television in your home, you used to have it at least on Christian television because you were convicted that you had one in the house. 
It used to have it on Christian television. You'd have Bishop T.D. Jakes preaching and Rod Parsley preaching. you have Kenneth Copeland teaching you the word of faith. And you were fortunate enough to listen to Kenneth Hagin. You, you had a little bit of that being taught to you. And you had, you, you, at least you had something righteous being put into you, but you turned all of that off. And now it's just constant contention and arguing. Turn it off and start thinking because this, wor- this is the way of the world. It's the way of the kingdom of darkness to keep us down, to keep us depressed, to think that there's no hope, that there's no joy. But believers, we don't live that way. We have a blessed hope. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're not, the world is full of hatred. The world is full of cancel culture. The world is full of racism. The world is full of hatred. We're full of joy and love and peace and healing, restitution, redemption, and reconciliation. Today I come in the name of Jesus to say, be ye filled of the things of God. Give them praise today. Musicians come if, and help me close this thing out. I'm trying. Be full of good things. Be full of happy things. If someone broke up, if somebody broke out in holy laughter in a Pentecostal church today, people would be looking around thinking it's weird. But there was a day when we were happy. We were joyful. The Holy Ghost would come on us and we wouldn't just have ugly shout face. <laughs> We'd have a holy laughter. We'd have a smile. We'd leave service, bobby pins all over. Your poof was like in all these different directions. Your shirt were hanging out. But you'd walk out and say, "Woo! that was a good service. Oh, pastor preached me to the altar. Because there was a joy even when we were getting convicted. Even when they were setting things right, there was a joy about it. And I want to get back to joyful living, happy living. I'm not just living for myself. The world needs an example of joy. They need a ha- they need a they need a, an example of reconciliation and every system of the world has failed. Republicans have failed. Democrats have failed. Liberals have failed. Conservatives have failed. Everything you thought about the economy has failed. Everything people told you about investing has failed. But there's one thing that will never fail them. We got to show them that it's real. It's still true. And everybody needs it. But how will they believe? If they don't see it in you, stand with me as I come to a close, if you don't mind. You are the visible image of the invisible God. And if you got a life church sign in your front yard, but all those neighbors here is, well, a lot of carrying on, fighting, bottles being thrown across the yard. What will they think? But when they hear everybody else fighting, but there's, for some reason, there's like this like glow of the joy of the Lord over At some point, it's going to happen. It's happened to us in Tennessee. At some point, somebody comes over and says, listen, let me just ask you, what is it about you? What is it about your kids? What is it? And you'll laugh because you know you guys have been fighting all week. One, di- one time someone came up to Gene and I and they said, your kids are just so amazing. We're like, all right. Well, prophecy, glory to God. They're like, you just have the perfect family. Nobody ever fights. Nobody ever carries on. We're like, Lord Jesus, thank you for those curtains and those mini blinds. Thank you for the insulation in the walls. But they'll see something through you. They'll see something through you. I close with that. It's not time to play around. It's not time to be full of the things of this world. Be ye filled. Be ready. All my life, I heard Jesus was coming. And he didn't come. So people stopped preaching about it. They stopped singing about it. Gina and I were talking on the way here yesterday. She told me about a blizzard that hit Tennessee in 1993 middle of April, 20 inches of snow. They were getting ready for Easter and spring break and a blizzard came and no one was ready. No one had firewood. She said people were 
nobody had cell phones. If you had a cell phone in 93, I'd like to be your friend. Not now. I mean, in 93, I would have wanted to be your friend. She said people were walking out bartering to get firewood because no one was ready. Her father had a, a wood a wood stove in the basement and it went on for about a week and they were grilling hot dogs and they had buckets of water for those of you that don't understand uh, you know I, I've never felt old till this year but for you youngins when I was growing up and not only did we walk seven miles barefoot to school up a mountain both ways But when I was growing up, there was no such thing as bottled water. That was weird. We got our water from a hose. That, that hose had nutrients in it. Vitamins in it. We didn't catch viruses back in the 80s. We drank from the hose. I wonder what would happen if we just pulled out a green hose and just invited the community, come take a sip from the hose. Maybe we can end a pandemic. I didn't say anything. We had nutrients in there like lead and copper and rust and beetle larvae and some spider eggs, but just to do something to you when you drink it. I've never had a bottle of Fiji water that tasted better than what I used to get out from the backyard hose. I tell you right now. Why was I talking about that? Oh, I remember. They didn't have water. Because who knew to be ready and to ha just have water on site? They weren't ready. And this is God, this is God's grace today that you came to this service. And listen. Forgive the cheap analogy, but I'm not just pointing at you. I got three fingers pointing back at me. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm, I'm sharing with you what God's been dealing with my heart about. This isn't time to play around. This isn't time to be toying with on empty. He's coming again. And I don't want to be caught not ready. I, I, I travel for a living. This past year flew over 300,000 miles. When I get to the airport with Gina, the TSA, it's a smaller airport, the TSA agent knows us. The gate agents know us. The people that, if I, ch if I check a bag, that person knows us. We walk in, hey, Mr. Suarez, they know us. But if that plane is taken off at 9.22 a.m., and I show up at 9.23 a.m., you know what's going to happen? That plane's going to be gone. And it doesn't matter who I know. It doesn't matter how many times I've flown out of that airport. It doesn't matter how many miles I have in my account. It doesn't matter all the things I like to, well, I'm a million miler, and I am this, I'm that. If I show up and say, but I'm here, they'll say, but why weren't you on time? You knew the plane was taken off at 9.22. You know you got to be here. You know the door closes 10 minutes before the plane. You'd, you know what the gate agent would tell me? They'd say, you know better. This is God's grace telling you today. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I know better. We know better than to be playing around. We know better than to be questioning things that should be foundational truth. We, we know better than to be partake. It's not time to be full of the things of this world. It's time to be full of things that are righteous and holy and pure. This altar call today, sometimes I make an altar call for the sick, for those that have a special need. I'll pray for the sick today. I'll pray for you. But this altar call is for everyone under the sound of my voice that says, Suarez, I need to be filled again. I believe I told you the story the last time I was here. <clears throat> the last time I was here, I think I told you the story. I was in a, a revival service at my in-laws church in Tennessee. 
Gina's parents. And Gina's grandmother, who's 86 years old, she's had the Holy Ghost for over 65 years. At this point, 66 years. That lady is a woman of, she's not a woman, she's a lady of holiness. That lady probably speaks in four or five different dialects of Holy Ghost tongues. She's, I mean, she's the epitome of Christianity. And when that man made the altar call, Mother Carver came down the aisle. And I got to wondering, what, why is that lady coming to the altar with 65 years worth of Holy Ghost? Why is she coming to the altar? Well, it turns out the evangelist was going to ask her. When she came forward, he said, Mother Carver, what do you need of God? And she said, oh, I just need a fresh touch. And I got so convicted for all the times I didn't answer an altar call. Because what would people think if the preacher came to the altar? What would people think if the Sunday school teacher came to the altar? We see people linger in the altar and we think something's wrong with them. Maybe they're just hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Maybe they just love the presence of God so much there's no place they'd rather be than in the presence of God. So this altar call right now is for every mother carver. For every person here that says, I love the Lord, I have the Spirit of God, I walk with God, but today I'm just really aware I need a fresh touch. I need a refilling. I need to make sure I'm full. I need to make sure my house is full. I need to make sure my marriage is full. I need to make sure everything about me is full of the things that are righteous and pure. I need to be full of the things of God. If that's you, when I count to three, and by the way, it ought to be everybody at the count of three. I'm waiting for you in this altar. One, two, and three. Come to this altar right now and just come to get full. Come and get full. Come and sing praises unto God. Come and pray through right now. You know how to praise through Pentecostals. You know how to praise through to victory. Come on, praise through. He picked me up. He turned me around. He placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior.
just a moment. I just, I just felt, I haven't ever done this, but I feel to pray for, I feel to pray for joy. I just feel to pray for joy. I was, I was in a church service. I went to a church service. The names, the, whoever was, the, the names don't matter. But I went and they called the ministry forward. They said, we're going to pray for the ministry. And they called me up to pray. And I did what we normally do. I put my hands in the air. And apparently, I made an ugly face. And the preacher didn't pray for me. I was waiting. You know, I'm Pentecost. I'm waiting to get, you know, a concussion and get slapped in the forehead and fall or whatever I was going to do. And he came and he tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, are you okay? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, okay. And so I did it again. And he tapped me again. He said, son, are you okay? Because you look like you're in pain. Do you need us to call an ambulance? It looks like you're, are you okay? You look, I'm like, I'm okay. I just ran to get my blessing. And he said, son, where is your joy? Where is your laughter? He said, God isn't about to zap you and kill you. God's about to touch you and bless you. He said, you ought to be smiling. You ought to be joyful. You ought to be rejoicing. It was one of the funniest things I've ever been in. I'm never going to do what he did, but I'm going to tell you what he, well, actually, I just felt the Lord say, no, do it. You know what he said to me? Gina's going to be embarrassed. He said, you know what I think I need to do with you? He said, I think I need my Holy Ghost bazooka. You talk about awkward. You can't make jokes like that in church now. And he went and picked up an imaginary bazooka. And he looked at me and he said, all right, Joy. And when he did that, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in church. And it got me laughing. I probably laughed for another two hours. I couldn't stop laughing because I got shot by the Holy Ghost bazooka. Hey, Life Church. The joy of the Lord come on you today. It's time to rejoice. It's time to laugh again. It's time to be happy. The joy of the Lord. Come on now and get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. 
Can you hear me? Turn it up real loud so they can hear me. The book of Job, chapter 5, verse 22 through the end of the chapter says you will laugh in the face of famine. You will laugh in the face of destruction. Wild animals won't be able to harm you. And when you survey your possessions, when you survey your surroundings, nothing will be lacking and nothing will be missing. You've complained about it long enough. You've, com you've argued about it long enough. Now it's time to laugh about it because your God, your wonderful God is about to restore. He's about to bless. He's about to, come on, get up, get up and get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. is full of the glory of God. It's full of the presence of God. Ooh. It's 12.30. What time do you normally get out of church? Three? My God, you're, that's holiness right there. My, mercy, he just, he just went back. What, what time do the rest of them usually get out of church? About 12.30? All right, then we're eight minutes late anyhow. Listen. If I let you go right now, you'd have a 45-minute wait at the restaurant because the Baptists are already there right now. The Presbyterians got there at about 11.45. The Baptists, so why don't you just, you might, why wait in a crowded lobby? You know, they got viruses and stuff in the lobby. It's clean here. Why don't you just wait here a minute because I feel like we're going to sing again. I, I want you to see something. Something shifted in this service. Not when I was preaching, but when you started praising. Something shifted a few minutes ago when a collective body of believers came here and started dancing and shouting and singing. Ladies and gentlemen, this can happen every time you sing and shout and dance. Every time you come to the house of God, it's time to give God praise. When you go to work this week, when things don't go your way, go to shouting and singing and praising God. And watch how the atmosphere will change in your office and change in your car. Watch how this week at your house, rather than complain, Start praising and worshiping God and watch how the joy of the Lord. Let's do it one more time and let's let another wave of the glory of God fill this house because He picked me up. Another one, I am free, 
understand why we're shouting I'd sing a song and say look what the Lord hath done look what the Lord has done he healed my body he touched my mind he saved me just in another one. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is how this is how I like church. Amen. And I'll just say, if you like church like this, guess who determines that we have church like this? mosh pit every Sunday right here. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God, why don't you give somebody a high five? Tell them, say, I'm free in Jesus' name. I'm free in Jesus' name. And aren't you glad you didn't stay home from church today? Dream Team members, see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. We're going to have a great, great uh, Christmas Sunday next week. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Any men, if you could take just a moment, we need to clear out these two middle sections of chairs. If some of you men can help us real quick, we just need to clear out the two middle sections of chairs for tonight's event. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.